We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a Friday night edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. So grab that tall boy and join us over the next hour for some college hoops talk. I'm John Fanta. We've got Ashton Gibbs with us tonight. We've got Rob Doster with us tonight. Coming up on the show, we will talk Big Ten hoops. We'll lead off with Purdue in a moment. We'll get into Illinois. Rob has some observations about the Fighting Illini. Big picture. Plus, what happens with Maryland going forward? Who are the top names that they could pursue in their search as Mark Turgeon parts ways with the Terrapins earlier today? And we will talk about Kansas's blowout win over St. John's. But let's begin with Jaden Ivey leading the way. Travion Williams already with a double-double. And Purdue, Rob Doster, will stay perfect, uh, barring a miracle comeback. The Boilermakers have commanded a Keegan Murray-less Iowa Hawkeyes team tonight. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question that remains right now is whether or not they're going to cover the 12 and a half that Bet Rivers had at, uh, at tip-off. Uh, I'll tell you what I did, Fanta. I pulled a move straight out of your book, okay? We get the, I get the tweet, right? I get the tweet from, uh, from Andy Katz, who yes. says, breaking news, breaking news right now from Mackey Arena. This was like probably about 75 minutes before tip-off. Breaking news from Mackey Arena. Keegan Murray's not warming up. Keegan Murray averages 25 points a game. Keegan Murray is Iowa's best player. I already thought that this was a bad matchup for Iowa. Now their best player is not playing. The guy that's putting up Luka Garza numbers. So you know what I do, Fanta? I rush to my Bet Rivers app as quick as I possibly can, and I put in a bet. I double what I had on it. So what we really need right now is a Purdue cover. That three right there is going to help. Go ahead. <laughs> Ashton, what do you think it is that makes Purdue – a team that can win the national championship? Uh, well, you talk about a deadly combo, not only on the perimeter, but underneath as well with Travion Williams and Zach Eady. Um, I think those those guys, along with uh, Jaden Ivey, uh, I mean, he's probably the best playmaker in college basketball right now. Um, this guy, his first step is really quick. Um, he can create a play whenever he wants. And that's what you need going moving forward, especially deep into the NCAA tournament. You want guys that can create for themselves and create for others that will. Here's one thing I think about with Purdue. I keep hearing people say, well, Gonzaga and Duke, by virtue of being younger, they have a, a, a higher amount of potential. Like Purdue's touching that right now. They're touching their ceiling. And, and that's a very good one. They're going to make the final four. But 
people keep bringing up the fact that they think Gonzaga and Duke can reach a higher height. Here's the fact of the matter. I disagree with that take because I, I don't sit here and say Purdue is peaking too early or Purdue has multiple ways that they can beat you. They have two trees on the interior. We've talked about that. But what I love about this Purdue team is that on any given night, they have a guy who can hit four threes for them, who could even hit five three-pointers for them. When they're hitting perimeter shots, the game is over. You're not beating them. And they don't rely on one or two guys to get that done for them. So they have the mix of veteran shooting. They have the mix of two big guys who have a different different variable to their games. And they have an NBA draft lottery pick, Rob. I don't like the take that the Purdue Boilermakers, you know, have like, like they're, there's not a higher ceiling that they can expand upon as the season goes on. I disagree with that idea. And I, I think Matt Painter would say, we got to still get better defensively. We have things that we still can work on. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where it is, right? So are they going to be able to to guard the way that you need to be able to guard to, to win a national title and to make it to a Final Four? Um, I'm a little bit concerned. We've seen a lot of turnovers tonight, right? They have 14 turnovers, which is not ideal um, when you're going up against a team like Iowa, who's not known for their defense. Like, this is not a team that, that people – uh, we'll sit there and say, yes, they're going to force turnovers. Yes, they're going to make you have a hard time running offense. Yes, they're going to make Trevion Williams uh, throw the ball out of bounds four or five times in this game. So um, th- there's certainly ways that they can improve. But I'll also tell you this, and, and Ashton, I'm curious your take on this. I don't think they need to improve to win a national title. I think that they're good enough right now to go out and win a national title. There's, it's, it, it's twofold, right? It's the fact that they have multiple ways to beat you. But the bigger thing is that all of these guys all buy into this idea. I think Trevion Williams, and I've made this point over and over and over again, I think he's the best teammate in college basketball, the single best teammate. This is a guy that was preseason All-Big Ten. This was a guy that got votes as a preseason All-American, and he's out here right now coming off the bench, and he's fine with it. He's the biggest cheerleader they have. He's the loudest voice on that bench whenever he is on the bench. He's the loudest presence on that court whenever he is on the court. And when your senior is sacrificing the year it's supposed to be his year, that's just there, there's there's no there's there's nothing that can match that, right? There's just nothing possible that can kind of match uh, that impact that has on a roster. So I'm I'm all in on the Boilermakers. I I said this, Vince, you can attest to this. I, I told you and To on our podcast that I thought Purdue was the best team in the country before Duke and Gonzaga played. So um, I'm I'm in I'm in on the Boilers. I love this group. I actually agree with you, Rob. Um, this group. I think the biggest thing um, that really helps him is just the pedigree of Matt Painter. He's been through it. Um, he just built a culture there at, at, at Purdue. And you could tell guys like Travion Williams, like you said, have bought into it. So um, they play selfless. They really gap up defensively. They play really hard. And then, like you said, they have a dynamic scorer who can score at will. And you need that going into conference play and, if you're going to make a run ultimately in the NCAA tournament. I'll tell you this about Jaden Ivey. He is the most entertaining basketball player to watch in transition of anybody that I can remember. I, I can't remember anyone that, that is like him when he gets the ball in his hands in transition. He's a blur, man. Like we, we, we were talking about it earlier, Ash. Like he, he, it's like three dribbles from the opposite foul line and he's taking a layup. It's insane. He's almost as college basketball as Jay Morant. Um, in terms of how fast he can get down the court 
um, and just make plays not, not only for himself but for others as well. He can shoot the ball. And then he just brings an energy. He brings a toughness to their team. He brings a, a, a confidence and a swagger to their team um, that I think, you know, really separates them from, you know, other teams around the country. Yeah, you know what I think it is? Purdue gets so much of of so many of their shots and so many of their points directly out of the offense that Matt Painter wants to run, right? It's directly out of their sets. It's all right, we're going to have this dribble handoff leading to this uh, – double down screen leading to this guy running off of a triple screen on the baseline. And we're going to try to get our threes here. We're going to run this so we can get a seal and a lob for Zach Eady in this spot, or Trevion Williams is going to post up here and, and try to look for this kick out. Right. So much of it is designed out of what they do. There are teams that can take you out of what you want to do offensively. If you play defense, a certain kind of way. Right. And the teams that do that, whether it's like Duke does it, Florida state does it, it's switching it's the overplaying the passing lanes. When that happens, you need guys that can just go out and win a one-on-one matchup, right? Jaden Ivey is that guy. And they got other – like Zach Eady could throw the ball to the po- – if he's if he's sealed deep enough, just give him the rock in the post. He's going to make a move. Trevion Williams, same thing. But Jaden Ivey just – is he's that difference maker, I think. There's not very many teams that have a guy that can do the things that he can do. And by yeah. the way, it's down to seven. This is not good. This is not Uh-oh. good. Hey, you know what? Let's put some respect on Fran McCaffrey's name for a moment because what he's done with this Iowa group, Iowa was an afterthought heading into this season, as was Iowa State. They're going to meet on Thursday night next week. That is now a big-time, big-time matchup. Always is, but I think now national recognition, there's going to be more of it than we expected. I give Fran a a lot of credit. I never question his coaching, but I, I, I question the personnel heading into this season. And he's just found a way, the way that they run offense. And then I, I actually think that this team's defended better than I would have thought. So as you said, it's down to seven. You know, here's one thing I want to bring up, though, Ashton, because you alluded to it, and, and I want to get a former player's perspective here. You said that that Travion Williams, the level of sacrifice, being a teammate, it, the buy-in effect there, and you said it's a result of Matt Painter. But take us inside a locker room. I'm sure you've been in a locker room in great moments, and I'm sure you've been in a locker room and maybe a teammate and another teammate are at, all, are at odds. What does it take for those 15 guys to collectively be like, I don't care what my role is, we care about a W? Uh, I think it comes down to accountability. Um, I think the best teams are, um, are the player-driven teams that hold themselves accountable. Um, and then you add in a big-time coach, you know, i.e., uh, Matt Painter, and, you know, he's been through it. He's been through the ringer, um, X and O guru. He can really gap up. He knows how to play defense. You know, his teams are really tough. They make good decisions. So um, ultimately it comes down to being player driven, uh, holding, you know, each other accountable. Um, you know, one thing that we did when I was at Pitt is uh, we really spent time together off the court. And I think, that only helps with the chemistry when you get on the court. Yeah, you got to be able to bond. You got to you got to be able to get along through that grind. And I think that this team does. By the way, uh, it's a let's see, it's a five point game here with less than four to go. And you take a look at what Iowa's been able to do. I mean, it, Patrick McCaffrey's been very good in this game, and and they've actually had a nice night from Tony Perkins, uh, five of ten from the field. He's played pretty well. You get a couple of contributions off the bench, and Chris Murray with nine points. This is all without K 
Keegan Murray. I guess, Rob Doster, let's talk briefly here for a moment. The Hawkeyes, compared to what you thought they'd be heading into this season, to what you're seeing here tonight, um, what should people feel like at uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena this season? I mean, I would feel really good about this group. Um, I think that their defensive performance today has been really impressive. Uh, I, I thought that Purdue was going to run away with this thing. Um, I didn't think that they'd be able to hang in it. They've been forcing turnovers. There have been two or three times where it felt like Purdue hit them with a knockout punch yep. and they came fighting back. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing about this group, like they don't have any size inside, but there's more length and athleticism up and down this roster than any Fran McCaffrey team that I can remember since he got to Iowa. Uh, Keegan Murray's not out there, but he, that dude's a freak, right? His brother, Chris, really long and athletic. Joe Toussaint is, he brings something different offensively than I think most Purdue teams are expected to have. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey, he's long and athletic and lanky as well. Uh, Tony Perkins, the kid that you were just talking about, um, I thought he was really, really impressive in the first half. The, some of the, the plays that he was making defensively, the pressures that he was providing, um, they've, been, they've been really, really good and really impressive. They just forced another 10-second call right here. It's, it's, they're, the fight that they're showing on the defensive end of the floor is something that we haven't seen out of this Iowa basketball program in a long time and if they can do that they got dudes that can score and they got dudes that can put up points well so our, good enough stops so my tweet i quoted you and said i think purdue is good enough right now to win a national title uh jerry palm has quote tweeted it with not tonight <laughs> he's not wrong <laughs> he's not wrong is this down to what is this down to right now 70 uh, Purdue is up 70 to 65 with three minutes and 12 seconds left. I'm, I'm not that worried. The covers probably have the question. Which, you know. so what, Jerry Palm. Did Jerry Palm just put you into a bag? Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> That's okay. I'm inside a hot dog costume based on what happened to me. <laughs> ah, yeah, you are. Ashton, I don't know if you know about that. We, uh, we bet on whether or not Maryland would ever be ranked in the top 13 this season. And it's down to two, by the way. And uh, and John Fanta said that he thought uh, Maryland be, would be ranked in the top 13 in college basketball this year. Uh, that's not going to happen, obviously. Um, the loser had to wear a uh, a hot dog costume on a show. So Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're going to try to hedge it. Um, so we're going to figure out a way to sort of. There's no, there's no hedging. There's no, <laughs> it's not going to get hedged. What if. Like, I mean, what if I, you know, I don't know. What if I outline? Based off of what's happening with this uh, this Purdue game right now, I might allow you to buy your way out of it. That might be so what Hold happens. on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What if I play you one-on-one to start Final Four week in New Orleans? Dan Mahalik will line it up, and, and we play one-on-one. See who wins. I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we can. <laughs> with, with, wait, wait, wait. Ashton, with Goodman officiating. Wow. That yeah. only. Do it. <laughs> See, that's like Stone Cold no. to Vince McMahon versus Undertaker or something. No, yeah, no, it's not gonna. It, it would be it'd be complete a completely fraudulent competition. Okay, um, let's move on here. We're at eleven fourteen. We'll see what happens here at the end of of Iowa Purdue. Uh, let's stay in the Big Ten. Illinois beats down Rutgers. Now. I look at this result, and I'm not surprised at all, but a reminder, Illinois shorthanded, Andre Curbelo still out. 
but through an injury, are we seeing an emergency? It, Rob, what's going on with Illinois that you think they need to do going forward? So the, the thing that I was really impressed with is the way that Alfonso Plumber's been playing. Uh, he's averaging 24 over his last four games. He's really starting to shoot the ball well. Um, and I think moving him into the starting lineup has been a, a real difference maker for him. He's the guy that can really help space the floor, right? Like all he does is shoot. That's what he's on the court to do is to make jump shots. Um, and his ability to space the floor just gets people off of Kofi Coburn. And my take has been that you want Trent Frazier on the ball being the guy that kind of is the lead guard, the star guard for that team. Because I think that he is so much more of a threat offensively coming off of those ball screens than, than Andre Corbello is at this point in the season. And oh, yeah. what happens is, I mean, we talked about this. They become so easy to guard when uh when Andre Corbello's out there because you just you you play drop you don't let Kofi Coburn get anything on the roll you dare Andre Corbello to beat you and it has not worked out well for them you can't do that with Trent Frazier you know he's not the passer that Corbello is but he's he's going to make shots he's going to hit that little uh 12 foot um, pull up he's got the float game in his package um he's able to make plays off of the bounce and off of ball screens I just I think that having Trent Frazier be that guy, be the main guy, play Alfonso Plummer as a starter, and then whenever Corbella comes back, bring him off the bench. I think that's the best uh, best case scenario moving forward for Illinois. But I'll tell you what, fans, there, I, I, I said something that got some pushback from uh, from Illinois fans um, on one of these shows previously. I don't. I said I don't know how it's fixable. That's your answer right there, is to not use Andre Corbella in that role that he was playing. Get, turn the keys over to Trent Frazier, your fifth-year fifth senior. Let him uh, figure things out. So here's the thing about this. Um, Trent Frazier went two for ten from the field tonight. Two for ten. Uh, Andre Curbelo still out for the Fighting Illini. And the final score of this game was Illinois 86, Rutgers 51. Illinois 86, Rutgers 51. I do want to take a moment here. Steve Peichel told us before the season on this very network that he believed that his Rutgers team would be the best that he's had. And that was saying something because the Scarlet Knights came a play away, quite literally, from a Sweet 16 last year against a Houston team that ends up making the Final Four. Rutgers thus far has been the biggest disappointment in college basketball. And I know that a lot of people would say they don't, they don't talk about Rutgers basketball because they're not a sexy brand name, but folks, this team returned Geo Baker and Ron Harper. I do not care that Geo Baker was out of this game tonight. You lost by 35. You lost by 35. You've lost to Lafayette. You lost to UMass. Rutgers, you got to be better right now. There was a higher expectation level than this. And I know Steve Peichel right now has to be very disappointed in what he has seen from his team because they are. this is not what the expectation level was in Piscataway. It was not. And I, I will say that right now about the Scarlet Knights, that they are a big disappointment thus far. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would call them the biggest disappointment in college basketball because Michigan exists and, and Oregon exists. Um but they, I, w- I thought they were going to be better. I mean, we had them in our top 50, and, like, that looks like a laughable mistake, you know? So I, Lafayette! 
yeah, Oregon was a top 10 team and they, they, they scored 49 points at home against BYU. Michigan is four and three on the season. Like there's those teams are supposed to be a lot better than Rutgers. There's, there's, there's Hey Ashton, tell me if I'm wrong here. You're, you're a New Jersey guy. Is you anybody know, surprised that Rutgers is losing to Lafayette? Yeah. yeah. Rutgers shouldn't be losing to Lafayette. I, 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 um, their issue is just getting adjusted to new roles. Like the the loss of Miles Johnson is a huge loss. Uh, Montez Mathis, I think, just overall, like some of those guys. Um, Point they, take, John. Yeah, they they kind of brought a toughness to to them last year, gave them an uh, an identity, and I think Miles Miles did a really good job on both ends, changing shots on the defensive end, and then he uh, really came into his own around the basket offensively last year. So that was a, that was a huge loss. And um, guys like Ron Harper are trying to figure it out and trying to be more consistent, you know, with now defenses really, you know, gapped up and really scouting him to like really, to really take him away. All right, Ashton, I got to tee you up here right now. Who's the second best team in the big 10 conference? Uh, Second best in the big 10. So it's tough. Um, so you got Purdue. I, I like Ohio State. I'm, I'm an Ohio State guy. Okay. Uh, well, look, they, they beat the number one team in the land. Tell us why. Yeah. So I'm I'm an EJ Liddell. I just think his toughness and, you know, around the basket. And um, they're starting to make shots on the perimeter. And I think that's just going to be the difference ultimately. Because yes. uh, around the basket, I don't think anybody – can really deal with uh, EJ Liddell. So I, I really like Ohio State right now. I, I still – I'm still on – like, I'm back on Illinois. Um, I am – I think I'm higher on Michigan State now than a lot of people are. I think Tyson Walker's kind of coming into his own a little bit as a pass or a decision maker, and I think that using him and A.J. Hogarth together uh, works well. And Gabe Brown, um, he's hitting jump shots now. Um Marcus Bingham, get that. Uh, yeah, th- this is over. Th- th- this cover's dead. Uh, Marcus Bingham is starting to block some shots and make some plays in the post. Uh, I think Malik <laughs> Hall is kind of like the X factor on this group. Um, so I'm, I'm a believer in Michigan State. Uh, you know who we haven't really talked about much on this show, uh, but that deserves to kind of be in that conversation? Oh. Who is the second best team in the Big Ten? Wisconsin. You- They're good. They're good. good. Johnny Davis has really grown. Uh, Brad Davison's in his 10th season of college basketball. I like TJ Wall. I like, look, defense is a constant with Greg Gard's program. I still like, but here's the thing. Like a lot of the Big Ten, at times I worry about perimeter shooting, but it doesn't seem to matter with the level of defense and rebounding in that league. Wisconsin should be considered, and the Cole Center is a place where they win over 80% of the games that they play in. So, look, they're a team that's a candidate there. I agree with you about Michigan State. Watching them on the opening night of the season against Kansas Live, I watched them, and I said to you guys a couple of times on press row, what is Michigan State doing in the half-court offense? Like, what is, what's going on with their guard play? But, but, 10 assists for Tyson Walker against Louisville. I love to see that. So, Tyson Walker is a playmaker. Michigan State doesn't need a point guard who can score the ball. 
Michigan State needs a point guard who makes the others around him better because Michigan State has those players. When Malik Hall and when Gabe Brown and the size with with Bingham and uh, Marble, like Michigan State has a size. They defend. They rebound. They need a playmaking guard to lead them. And I like – I'm buying Tyson Walker as – the season goes on. I think we saw against Louisville play the kind of creator he to can lead be. them. I and do I like Tom Izzo Tyson Walker as coming off that the opening season night goes loss, on. I think sort of saw being shoved down the kind of creator he to lead basically them. Basically, you're thinking Michigan State's very average. I love Izzo in that spot because I think that they do have above average talent that hasn't fully translated because you haven't had the guard to set the table. Walker's the answer to those questions. I am buying the Spartans as a top three team in the Big Ten this season. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm I'm with you 100. Um, percent I think I still think Illinois is probably the second best. I I'll tell you what with Michigan, I just I don't I don't see it. I don't think that they're coming back from this. I don't think that. What do you mean by that? So like eight nine game? Yeah, I think that they're probably like more like the six seven range than they are like the two three range this season. They just don't have the 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 creativity like the thing about them last year they had two or three guys on their perimeter that were able to uh make plays off the bounce to knock down threes that were switchable defensively that were old that were tough that were physical uh, isaiah liver shawnee brown um franz wagner you know mike smith was a guy that can make a play and score uh, I, they don't have that you know caleb houston's a guy that's supposed to be out there shooting he really hasn't made shots um Moussa diabate I think kind of overlaps a little bit too much with what um, Hunter Dickinson wants to do and where he's effective. Uh, Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks are, you're relying on them to be kind of the shot creation and the guys that break defenses down and kind of are that first uh, action to kind of get you into drive, kick, draw, help, kick it out. Then you got to close out, right? They're, they're not the guys that are kind of built for that. So I just, I think we kind of overestimated what the freshman talent was going to be on Michigan this season. Hmm. Hmm. Go ahead, Ashley. I actually do like the Illinois take um, more so because Andre Carbello isn't playing right now. And I think when he actually comes back, um, you know, you add in Alfonso Plummer with the way he's been playing. And now you only add a, you, you add another playmaker, you know, to their, to their, their perimeter. So, you know, with Kofi Coburn playing that well underneath, um, you had you had in more playmakers on the perimeter. I think they're they're a scary team. Well, watch it, the the fact that that Plummer, to your point, is is going for twenty four tonight. That's a really good sign for them because, like, I watched them live against Marquette, and it was Trent Frazier or bust in the backcourt. They didn't have enough back there, and Curbelo was not good down the stretch. They they have to let Curbelo kind of ease his way back into what they're trying to do. You know, I think he was trying to overdo it because if you're Andre Curbelo, naturally you're saying sophomore year, people are saying I'm the breakout guy. People are saying I'm going to take this big leap. And oh, by the way, I got to be Io DeSumo's heir. You know, I got to be the guy that takes the throne. And Ashton, you you know, like that's hearing all that over an off season and then actually taking it in November and running with it it doesn't always go that easy when somebody's got tape on you from a freshman year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough, especially when, once you start to get scouted and teams really start to see your weaknesses and uh, what makes you tick. 
for the most part, it's it's really tough. So somebody like Corbello really needs to just slow down. I think offensively, he, he gets into trouble when he's um, just out of control in general. And then just uh, being consistent with his jump shot, I think will open up lanes and gaps. Um, when you talk about just getting downhill and finishing around the basket and just making plays for others. So um, as long as he's under control, I think the sky's the limit. That's just been the issue so far this season where he's just been consistently out of control, where he's been, you know, turning the ball over a little bit more than usual. And you know what else it is? I, I think they they mentioned that he had a concussion early on in the season, and he's still dealing with some kind of like a neck issue. So he might not have been 100% when all that was going on. And, and you know, Steve, remember this, Ash, and Steve Prohm was on here talking about how what we kind of undervalued with – um, Andre Corbello this season was uh, the the impact of changing a role and what it's going to be like as the fact that you're now the focal point in that backcourt instead of having someone like an Io DeSumo back there who everybody exactly. paid attention to every single second that he was on the floor. Uh, someone like an Adam Miller who was a game-changing talent as well. Um, that's part of why I think bringing him off the bench when he comes back is probably what's going to be best uh, for him, at least in the short term, right? Like, Bottom line, like that dude needs some confidence right now. You, you could see when he was on, like, he just didn't, it wasn't, I don't want to say he, he, he looked like afraid or something like that. It's probably too strong, but he just, he didn't have that confidence. And, and to me, like half of the battle of succeeding on a basketball court, it, like any, any walk of life really, but half of the battle of succeeding in sports and on a basketball court is believing that you can do it and having the confidence that you can do it. And that looked lost. Well, at the not only afraid, I wouldn't even – the way that I saw it from him was – By the I, way, by the way, Fanta, just, just so you know, that it, it's final in Mackey right now. Purdue won 77-70. So, like, congrats, Purdue fans. You're going <laughs> to get ranked number one on Monday. I'm happy for you all. But I just got to say, good teams win. Good teams win games. Great teams cover. Purdue did not cover. And I am officially right now – putting Matt Painter on the hot seat. You're not a great team. You can't cover. Can't cover. You're not a great team. We have a comment here from OLV 77 hashtag 11, who says Purdue is very good. This is to your take about Purdue, which I love this take. Purdue is very good, but far from unbeatable. Two or three losses in the big 10 for sure. Um, Hey buddy, if they, if they only, if they only lose two games in the big 10, do you know how damn good that is? Like, do you know how damn good that is if they only lose two games in the Big Ten, my brother? Come on. <laughs> am I right? Ashton, am I preaching? For sure. No, for sure. For sure. I, and I think they can do it for sure. They have they have you, the time. You think that they could go – well, they play 20 conferences. You think they could go 18-2 and two in their league? I'll say three or four. I'll say four losses. You know, that's. Um, overall- I, also, can I also make a point real quick. I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but you, you mentioned how you expect them to lose three or four games, right? If we all think Purdue is the best team in college basketball, and let's say they go on the road and then they get a rematch against Iowa. I don't even know if they play Iowa again. Let's just pretend they play Iowa again, right? They go on the road, they play Iowa, and they lose that game. They lose that game by like four in a tough physical game, right? Can we all just agree that we're going to keep Purdue in the number one number one ranking? 
If we think that they're the best team in the country and they go no, on the no, road, no, 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 a road no, game. no, no, that's not how this goes. <laughs> that's that's that to me. That's 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 a problem. Like we don't when we look at the NBA and we say, okay, we know that whoever I don't even know, like the the Warriors are the best team in the NBA, right? If they go to like Memphis on a back to back and they lose at Memphis, no one is sitting there and like, ah, you know what? I don't think the Warriors can win the NBA title anymore. They're not the best team in the NBA. We all still think they're the best team in the NBA. Same thing with 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 Purdue or Gonzaga or whoever it is. If you think that's the best team in the country and they lose a tough game, maybe one that they were an underdog game, like you don't have to drop them in the rankings. You don't have to do it. If we expect them to go 17 and three or 16 and four in the Big Ten and they lose games that are very losable games on the road in league play, it's something you expect. You don't expect oh, wait, wait, wait. No. If, so if you're Gonzaga, gonna you're gonna if they lose a game. If Gonzaga the best team in the country. If Gonzaga loses at BYU, they shouldn't move in the poll? Uh, if you think that they are the best team in the country, then they should not move in the poll. If Gonzaga, if I had Gonzaga number one and they lost, I would drop them because I think that Purdue is the best team in the country. Does that make sense? It's The, the toughest part is going to be teams get better throughout the season because guys start understanding their roles. Um, you know, some teams aren't healthy. Some teams are. Um, especially now since so many transfers, I think the role playing and guys just understanding, you know, where they're getting their shots, um, who's shooting the ball, who's the late shot, who's the uh, late shot clock playmaker. You know, usually that stuff is, you know, figured out by the middle of the season. So that's, you know, that that's where the tough part on like Gonzaga can be playing really good in conference play, you know, so, so can Duke. Purdue can really take another step forward as well. So you just never know going into, you know, conference play and even, you know, NCAA tournament. Okay. We have another tweet that just came in from Oliver. Oliver says, yes, I want to see Purdue match up against tougher competition though. Oliver, Oliver, they went up against, first off, they went up against the North Carolina team that just cleaned the clocks of Michigan and Purdue cleaned North Carolina's clock. Then they went up against Villanova a Villanova team that has been right there. I mean, probably after the after that that tier of um, of Gonzaga, Purdue, Duke, and then I I'd say Baylor, UCLA. Right after that, like I'd put Villanova right there. They just haven't finished. But this week they face Florida State and and Iowa. Uh, Oliver, they they have more than enough body of work to suggest that the, that they're the number one team in the country. Like what, what, what else does Oliver need them to do that? Like he needs them to play Duke and Gonzaga only. Like, is that, what, what, what is he asking for? Well, probably that's probably what he would like to see. I would have liked to see it too. We went over that, that, that dude should have been fired. Whoever did not give Firing us people, Oliver, go have a drink and then lay down and head to bed with, with hopefully your significant. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask my stage manager here. Stage manager. Can you hit the lights? Hit the lights. Yeah. Hit the light. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Good evening. Oh my God. This is the official commencement of the coaching carousel in college basketball. <laughs> we have lost our first. Not literally, but Mark Turgeon and Maryland, uh, they part ways today. And uh, this, look, this came as a shock in many ways. Um, I was stunned by it. 
In fact, I almost spit out my coffee when I saw this. I still can't believe that this happened. Uh, but we'll, we'll do this every time that there's a coaching carousel move. I did not expect to pull this out until about March. Here we are. Ashton, uh, what was your reaction? Where were you when you heard that Mark Turgeon uh, and the Terrapins parted ways? Just, I just randomly saw the scroll on my Twitter feed. Um, and my first initial thought was, you know, did they even play 10 games yet? I just didn't understand the timing of it. But, you know, he, I guess he's been on the hot seat for a couple of years now. Um, overall, I, I, I don't really agree with the timing of firing coaches during the season. Well, we don't uh, know. Was he fired? He was, he was, he was not. He was this not one, he, okay. Mutually. This, here's, here's the thing, Ashton. He, he more or less just like quit on the situation. Um, it was more, he was like, I, I can't deal with this. Um, the, the, the stress of like the fans hating me and me getting booed and no one wanting me to be here. Um, I think was more of something where he's like, yeah, you know what? Fucking I'm done. Then it was the school, um, just firing him. Now he probably would have gotten fired in the off season, off but season. he didn't, he didn't go after it with, uh, uh, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to stay more that like, that's, that was the end of the story here. And maybe it would have been different if he had a team that he believed in. I don't think that he believes in this team all this much. I think that he tried to get other jobs this off season, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't like a fire. And like, this was, this was Mark. I, I think that this was more Mark Turgeon's decision than it was Maryland's decision. It, I think so too. This was Mark Turgeon's decision. Um, the fact is, the standard of Maryland basketball is more than what Mark Turgeon has been delivering for the Terrapins. And I think that the pressure, the anxiety, at a certain point, you get into that quality of life and that, that stress that can just weigh you down. Um, do I like the idea of, of leaving during a season in which it's early December? I don't like that. I mean, I, I'll say it right now. Like I, I just, I'm not a fan of that because you owe it to your kids to continue on. Uh, but we don't know what's going on inside of his home. We don't know what's going on, you know, for him as a person. So as much as like, I didn't like that at surface value. If, if your heart's not in it, you don't want to show up to the office and, and be in a disengaged state. So for Maryland, you know, now they turn to Danny Manning here in the interim role. Uh, but let's let's look beyond here this year at what comes to mind with some of the candidates for this job. Where does Maryland go? And my biggest thing is this is a good job in college basketball, a very good job in college basketball. Maryland has the pick of the litter here, and they're out in front of this, and they need to make the right hire. This is a pivotal moment for Maryland basketball. There's a dynamic here, Rob. Sexy name, coaching, right? Like, rarely do you always get both. Um, what What are your thoughts here as Maryland initiates the search? Uh, well, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, the first is that I think it's important to point out that that Maryland like Georgetown are both probably like top 20 ish jobs in college basketball. Right. I mean, you got the, the, 
the money, the fan base, the recruiting ground, like the DMV area is, is just absolutely loaded with talent. Um, but they're really, how many coaches at those schools have actually won at the levels that those fan bases expect consistently? Uh, and the answer is probably just like Gary Williams and John Thompson, right? Like lefty Drysell had his moments. Um, Mark Turgeon had a couple of good teams. Uh, JT3 um, had a team that made the final four. They competed for the Big East for a while, but it ended up, it didn't end up all that well, right? So it's, there, I, I wonder if the expect, I, I think that those fan bases should have very high expectations for what their programs should be, given what they, that school is, where it's located, the money that they have, the, 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 everything that goes into like having it be a, what should be a good job. But I also think it's worth pointing, pointing out that it's not, it's not a, it's not a surefire thing that you're going to have a ton of success at those programs. I think that's worth pointing out. So um, it's, there's a level of expectation there that you have to know is going to be there when you accept that job. Meaning that if you're four years in and you're still working to try to find a way to, to be better than 20 and 10, there's going to be people that are calling you on it. There's going to be columnists and there's going to be TV stations and there's going to be bloggers and there's going to be fans and there's going to be people that are out there like, yeah, you know what? This guy isn't getting it done because Mark Turgeon at the end of the day made six of the last seven NCAA tournaments. Right. He what about want to share the Big Ten? I think they want to share the Big Ten in the COVID year, right? In two thousand was it two thousand twenty? They want to share the Big Ten title. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, and and kind of speaking to that point, what about the idea that they're not in the right league? Well, they're not. I mean, they should be in the ACC. That there's no like that's not even a question. They absolutely should be in the ACC. Um, in terms of who, I think that they should go after. Sure, I would love to see them. I would love to see them go try to get a guy like a Bruce Pearl or a guy like a Nate Oates. Okay. Um, I, think, I think Bruce could handle the pressure as well as anybody. And I think that he would just, that fan base would love him and adore him. I think that he would be able to get the talent that you need to be able to get. Uh, and I think that um, he would play a style that would completely turn the big 10 on its head. Our, our guy, Terrence Oglesby made this point today in, in, in a text with us today, fans like that kind of style, Bruce Pearl and, and to a point, Nate Oates would completely change the way that the big 10 needs to be played. I think Bruce would be a home run hire. I don't know if you could hire him right now, based off of everything that has happened at Auburn since he's been there and everything that happened with Tennessee. Right. I don't know if you can go get him. Um, same thing with Sean Miller. I think Sean Miller, they almost hired Sean Miller a couple of years ago. I don't know if you can go out and actually hire Sean right now. Like that's, that's something that you have to decide. I mean, he's probably the best coaches available, right? Is, is there anyone that you can go hire right now that has had more Not success as a basketball coach than Sean Miller, but I don't, can you hire a guy that might end up getting a show calls? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like you, I think you have to wait for that to play out. It's that's, that's a tough to, if you, if, if you can hire Sean Miller and he wants the job, like, I mean, that's, you kind of got to go get that one. Right. Um, beyond that, like, you know, I think it's, it gets a little bit more murky. What, what do you think? Where, where are you at on this action? If you're, if you're right now, the Maryland AD, who are you going after? So I want to, I, I almost want to ask you guys if I'm crazy. And the only reason why I say this is, well, one of the guys, I think um, Kevin Willard will be a really good hire. Um, I think what he did as what he's doing at Seton Hall, is big time. Uh, it's a really tough job. I think 
you know, in the Big East, um, being in Jersey, a lot of talent. But overall, without the foot football, um, I think it affects recruiting a, a bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so tell me if I'm crazy, if uh, Juan Dixon, um, is he too low on the totem pole? Um, and the only reason why I ask is I see a lot of these schools hiring their own, quote unquote. And obviously he's, a you know, won a national championship, all-time leading scorer. Um, he's been, you know, he's been on staff before. Um, but is that kind of a stretch? The, I mean, the only problem I have with going and hiring Juan Dixon right now, do you know what his record is right now this season? You know what Coppin's yeah. record is? Not, they're, not they're, they're one and eleven. <laughs> That's I, I totally get the idea of hiring one of your own, but I, if you can't win at Coppin State, um, I, I I just it's that's going to be a tough sell. It's the same thing. Like another guy that we talked about this earlier with with Goodman, another guy that I think kind of falls in a similar umbrella is Kim English, right? Guy that is I think incredibly sharp. Someone that I think is going to be a very 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 good coach down the road. His coaching career is what, like nine games right now? Part of the reason why Turgeon got fired is because Kimmy went in there and, and, you know, kicked Maryland's ass. But can you hire a guy because they kicked your ass once when he he still hasn't even – like he's never coached a league game as a head coach. That's just – I don't know if you could do it. That's a tough ask, right? Oh, very tough ask. Um, now, I think Kim is, you know, a star, a budding star for sure. Um it may be tough, you know, initially for him to give him that job, but I think somebody like Kevin Willard, honestly, um, wouldn't be a bad move only because he's doing it right now at Seton Hall. He kind of has the landscape being in, you know, Jersey, New York, recruiting that that area, but um, that's not too far away from the Maryland area as well. So, um, you know, I know he was – I think he was in the running a few years ago for the pit job um and he's just been a hot name the last few years and and certain uh done at seton hall right and look you're 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 a jersey guy ash and you know what that seton hall program is like fanta is a is a seton hall alum like that's not that is not the easiest job in the world to get gone like you're recruiting guys in newark right it's not it's it's you're not recruiting someone to la um and I think the job that he's done is a little bit underrated. What I will say is this, and I, I'm very curious your opinion on this, Fanta, because I know that you're, I know that you're close with Willard, and I know that you're, uh, you're vested in this Seton Hall basketball program. Um, Kevin hasn't done anything at Seton Hall that is above and beyond what Mark Turgeon accomplished at Maryland, and if, if the issue with your hire was that. You, you didn't have a guy that could get you to better than like 21 and 10 that could get you out of the second round of the tournament that could be um, competing for, uh, for conference titles. Like, is that, I just worry that you're going to have kind of a, a, an issue with the fan base saying, well, we wanted something. We wanted a home run higher. This guy was good, but is he going to take us to that next level? You know what I'm, does that make sense? What I'm asking? Well, it makes sense. Mark Turgeon has three times the amount of resources that Kevin possesses at Seton Hall. Um, Seton Hall does not have a standard practice facility. They practice in an auxiliary gym in a basement of a field house. 
Um, here's the thing with Kevin, just, just to get into the weeds a little bit on his numbers. Seton Hall's finished at 500 or above in the Big East in each of the last six seasons. They've made the NCAA tournament in four of the last five years. In terms of consistency, the program has never been this consistent in its 115-year history of existence. He's two wins shy of P.J. Carlissimo on the all-time winningest coaches at the university. And he's the 11th winningest coach in the history of the Big East Conference. He's, he's just outside the top 10 of winningest Big East coaches in the history of the league. The winningest being, do you know who the winningest is? Uh, that would be Bayheim. It's got to be Bayheim. That would be James Arthur Bayheim. So Kevin Willard is right there. Um, has Here's the thing. At Seton Hall University, he has done as good of a job as they could have asked for and more. Unfortunately for Kevin, he caught some really bad luck because of the tw- – like. COVID, in terms of the programs that it severely impacted when you think about ceiling, Ashton and Rob, that Seton Hall team with Miles Powell and uh, with... Are, are you allowed to mention that name with in, that? in conjunction with Seton Hall still? No, you know, the, with Quincy McKnight, with Miles Kale, with Jared. <laughs> with, look, with, with, like that team was so ready for an NCAA tournament run. They could see, it felt like destiny that they would go on a run. Um, that was unfortunate for them. I, I think that what you're saying, if you're Maryland, in this search is that you fully believe that Kevin Willard, who is 46 years of age, you know, he's still, he's fairly young. Yeah, 46 is young for a no, He's young. He's years in front of him. Yeah, he's got a lot of years of coaching. You're saying that because of the resources pumping up, also, I would say this, guys, ironically enough, ironically enough, Seton Hall, Maryland had a home and home. And Kevin Willard goes down to College Park the first year of it, and Seton Hall beats Maryland like a drum. The next year, do you remember this game at all, Doster? Maryland comes to Seton Hall. Seton Hall does not have McKnight. Or, excuse me, they don't have Miles Powell. The rather. man that will not be mentioned in conjunction with Seton Hall. They were without their star players. They were without Sandro Mamoukalashvili at the time. They were without Powell. They are without all these players. Seton Hall wins the game in a rock fight because McKnight just refuses to lose, and Willard, again, beats Turgeon. So if you're Maryland, like, one of your top options is actually staring back at you because if you're that administration, you watched a home-and-home against this Seton Hall program – if, if I'm a Maryland fan, I sit here and I see that home and home and I say, Maryland should be winning at least a game, if not both games. We are Maryland. They are Seton Hall. That's not the case here. And Seton Hall's consistency level. And remember what Kevin inherited. I mean, yep. Bobby Gonzalez ran that program into a dark spot. Um, Kevin, Kevin has done a very good job at a, at a job that is not easy. Um, and he has put the program in so much better hands as a result of the kids that he's brought in, as a result of he schedules his ass off. He schedules his ass off. I mean, they're going to play. They already played Michigan. They went down to Florida. They played um, Ohio State. They got beat at the buzzer. They they played Cal. That, that Cal team ends up not being very good. But you're going to play Texas next week. You Even the teams that you schedule from a mid-major standpoint, Yale and Iona, you know, like – 
they, this guy really does schedule hard um, and believes in the scheduling concept. I, I think that, that for Maryland and Kevin has been able to recruit the DMV. He's been able to recruit that area well. So look, I mean, you're not going to hear me. I think Kevin's done a very, very good job um, and, and is deserving of a job like this. I don't know what the Maryland board is sitting in that room thinking about. You know? Honestly, honestly, right now they're thinking they're, they're not thinking anything other than like, what the hell are we going to do? Because this was like this, this, this was mostly a, like I said, a, a Turgeon thing. One thing I want to ask you, Ashton, because I'm pretty sure you played against him I, I, as we're doing this. A text that I just got was, uh, was John Beeline to Maryland. What do you think about that? Ashton? What do you, do you think that's a good fit? Do you think that could work? Uh, certainly, coach. certainly good pedigree. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I, pl- I didn't play against them, but obviously, you know, the beeline name, I think, um, that's big time. I mean, how, how old is he right now is the question. Very. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he's that age where the numbers don't really matter. You just kind of say, yeah, he's old. So if he gets, so if he gets the job, he has to hire, he has to hire a big time staff, um, you know, because being in that Maryland area, I think recruiting is is so crucial. You have to, you know, just really be out there, you know, getting these big time recruits. Um, but that's not a bad name. I, I, I love, you know, the way he, you know, builds a culture. Obviously, like offensive guru, uh, well proven legend for the most part. So um, that wouldn't be a bad move. I, I, I just would monitor his hiring, if anything, from Maryland. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you can convince him to do that. And it's also, there's already so many, uh, so much drama, I guess, maybe the word, uh, so many politics involved with recruiting in that area. There's a reason why, like, one DeMatha kid has gone to, um, gone to Maryland in, like, the last 20 years. I think it's our Travis Garrison who hosts our Maryland pod. Um, it's just not... You know, there, there's that whole thing with Hunter Dickinson was not recruited by Maryland. Like there's can I can I ask this question? Why would Nate Oates leave Alabama from from Maryland? The, because you're going to a place that is a basketball school first and foremost, and you're you don't have to be in the shadow of Nick Saban. You don't have to worry about people only paying attention when you get to the NCAA tournament because college football season is going to go on until the middle of January. Um, and you can kind of be the star. Uh, you also, you know, he's a guy, he's from, um, he's from Michigan and coach at Buffalo. The first time I think he ever went past the Mason Dixon line was when he went down to on his, uh, his job, um, job interview at Alabama. I, that's, I'm, I'm, that's a joke. I don't know if that's true, but um, it, it would be coming back closer to home for him. He'd be playing in the big 10. He's a big 10 guy. He kind of grew up in that area. So that's what the appeal would be now. The thing about Alabama is he's had so much success. They could probably just write him a blank check and say, yeah, put whatever number you want on there. That's your salary now. And I don't think that Maryland is going to be able to, to match that. Um, and I did, there, there was a point that someone made. Um, I think Goodman made it on our stream earlier today where he said that Maryland will play non-conference games that are sold out. Maryland's non-conference games have not been sold out this season, but a lot of that is due to the fact that there's a lot of fan apathy with the fact that, uh, that Mark Turgeon was still there. That that arena, I 
it was called the Xfinity Center when I lived in DC. I, I don't know if it's still called the Xfinity Center, but that place I am telling you is a top 10 venue in college basketball when it's sold out. It is loud. It is insane. Maryland fans are vulgar as hell. They're out of their minds. It's like, they're like NC state fans. If you gave NC state fans a four loco, like every single person in the crowd, a four loco before the game is wild in there. It's an awesome environment to watch a basketball game. No, I, I think so as well. Um, my younger brother Sterling actually committed to Maryland initially when Gary Williams was there. So I, I had the opportunity to, you know, go to some games obviously years ago, but, Overall, I think big time job, big time atmosphere, uh, the fan base, they really support basketball. Um, somebody like Nate Oates, I, I definitely would look at the job. I, I agree with you, Rob. Um, I think he's a Big Ten kind of coach. Um, I also just think I just think he fits the bill when in terms in, in terms of just being the face of Maryland basketball. When you, when you look at Nate Oates and his personality, um, but just being in that Maryland DC area, you can't really beat it in terms of basketball. And um, they, they need a big time coach though. I think that you need a big time name as well. Um, just to, just to really get those recruits. Here, and here's, here's the thing. And then we can move on to, uh, to the um, Kansas St. John's game after this. I'll just, I'll, I'll wrap it with this. Um, you have, it is now December, what a December 3rd, right? Yep. You basically have four months to do all of the due diligence that you need to, to, to see if you can make any of these home run hires, if any of them are interested. You have four months to, to poke around and see if Sean Miller would actually take a job like this or you could actually hire him, right? You have four months to kind of put out feelers and see if Nate Oates would be interested, to see if uh, the boosters and the, the people within the university would be okay going out and getting somebody like a Bruce Pearl. Um, you know, on it, like, for my money, like if, if everything else, all things equal, nothing else mattered, and it was a blank slate, I think Bruce Pearl would be the first guy that I would go after if I was Maryland. I mean, this dude's a hell of a coach. He can recruit. He's going to the, – the style that he plays would completely change the way that Big Ten basketball is, is situated. I mean, I, 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 I think the world of Bruce is a coach. Um, I don't know if you can actually make that higher if you are Maryland, if that makes sense. All right, we got about five minutes left to go in this show. Ashton, Kansas beat St. John's by 20 in Elmont, New York tonight, UBS Arena. David McCormick looked like the, the David McCormick we saw as last year went on 15 and 13 in this game. Christian Braun puts up a 30-burger. Ochai Abaji looked great as well. And Kansas dominates St. John's on a night that St. John's really needed. Um, Ashton, your biggest takeaway from Kansas's drubbing of the Red Storm? Uh, so anytime Christian Braun is playing at that level, if he can play at that level consistently, obviously 30 points is a stretch, you know, every game. But if he's just playing with that type of confidence, really attacking the basket, making plays with Ochai Obaji and uh, David McCormick, I think, this is easily one of the top five, top 10 teams in the country without question. Um, when you talk about Christian really being a playmaker, it, it takes, um, it takes a lot of pressure off of Obaji. And I think with, with Bill Self at the helm, you know, the sky's the limit for this Kansas team. Rob? St. John's is very, very bad, especially on the defensive end of the floor. 
like for a team that is supposed to pride themselves on being someone that like forces turnovers and impacts the game defensively. And they got, uh, they got Mike Anderson and on all of this, it just, I, there, there were so many situations where, where it was just like a, Christian Brown was just driving a lane. There was nobody there. Like there was one play in the second half, right. Where he just kind of, someone's coming up. looks like he's going to set a high ball screen. It doesn't actually set the ball screen. And the way that St. John's moved their defense, they just opened up a wide open lane and Christian Brown takes two dribbles and dunks on like two people because St. John's was just like, here, go ahead, go to the basket. That happened like four different times. Like if you're at St. John's, you're playing at home. This is a game that you have to win to be able to have a chance to get in the NCAA tournament. Like they've, they put themselves like really in a bad spot with their scheduling. The fact that they got to, you know, they, they didn't win at Indiana and then they got blown out by Kansas. You cannot give up 95 points in that gym, in that setting, playing on Long Island. That's just, you can't do it. That's hard. That, that's, that's horrible. They can't guard. I'm, I'm completely off St. John's. Like that was that was a very disappointing performance, I think. And uh and typically uh Mike Anderson's teams play really hard. They get in the passing lanes, they push the pace. Overall, I like their talent. I actually like the talent. Um Joel Soriano is a is a really good transfer, Montez Mathis from Rutgers. And then you you know, you you keep in Posh Alexander and Julian Champagne. Um I thought this was this really exposed them tonight. Uh, mainly their their turnovers. I thought offensively they got really out of control, and Kansas just took took advantage of it um, on their offensive end as well. So um, they they got a lot of work to do for sure. But I think you know they they can overall just you know they they can progress for sure just because of their talent level and ultimately uh, the pace of play. I think will uh, be tough for teams towards in you know the middle of the Big East season. Uh, they got big boy is what happened. Yep. Like it's like St. John's, you can go out there and, and you can you can compete with some of the teams in the Big East and you can compete with some of these teams that uh you know kind of in your area. But then when you start playing these real teams that actually have a chance to do something this season, this is what happens. Like you got big boy. That's I think it's really just as simple as that, Fanta. Yeah, they did. Um they got exposed tonight. Uh they're a team that that has underperformed. And uh, this was a huge reality check for them. The fact is St. John's brought in seven transfers in the off season. And you would have thought that this was the first game they had played together. But the fact also is, is that the scheduling here that was done uh, left them ill prepared for this level of basketball tonight. Kansas looked like a team that had been playing high level competition St. John's had one game against Indiana. They fell in that game. But this was a disappointing performance by the Red Storm um, on a night where they really need to put it together. Um, I, I think that the same, the same thing holds true. They got outclassed on the interior. David McCormick was great in this game. But, but another night where St. John's just doesn't have the matchups inside. They, they didn't match up. Like Joel Soriano wasn't good enough against David McCormick. And then they ran into turnover problems in this game. You know, as much as you're trying to play 40 minutes of hell, it didn't look like that tonight. They didn't have a defensive answer for Kansas. You're exactly right, Rob. St. John's defensively, they came off like a team that just doesn't have a whole lot of organization tonight. They came off like a team that is not living up to the expectations we gave them. So 
a disappointing loss for the Red Storm. I expected more from this basketball team. I think Julian Champagny is a really good player, but this team has a lot of unknowns right now, many more unknowns than knowns. And the problem is they don't have any other resume opportunities until Big East play begins. And you said they'll be able to beat Big East competition. Guess what? This league is better than we thought it would be. I don't know how successful they're going to be against this conference this season if they don't get some of their stuff together because they could not defend tonight. And I think the formula against them again is feed the post, feed the post. Um, Kansas did that. Kansas has the best player on the floor in this game. They, they're going to have that more times than not with Agbaji. I think for Kansas, Christian Braun has been fantastic. Christian Braun is playing at such a high level right now. That gives Kansas a different dimension. The Kansas team that I saw um, <coughs> on opening night of the season has gotten even better um, since then. And, and I think the loss to Dayton could be a good thing for this team. Uh, Jayhawks, Jayhawks look like a team that was battle-tested tonight. Yep. This is why you got a schedule in college basketball. St. John's did not look ready for this game, and, and they got exposed this evening, and they're going to have a fight here to work their way back ahead of conference play. They're going to open up league play against Seton Hall. Seton Hall's seen every kind of team. They've seen every kind of team. St. John's has not. And so that it's, it's really hard for the Red Storm now because they don't have any resume wins. They're not going to get one in non-conference play. They're going to have to win probably 11 conference games to, to have a chance at making the big dance. And that's going to be hard in a Big East conference that looks like it's a lot deeper than we actually thought it would be. You know what the only thing that was more disappointing tonight than St. John's was? What's that? The Purdue Boilermakers blowing that 19-point lead, melting away that cover. I told you, man. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Purdue, not a great team. Robbie Hummel can kiss my ass. That does it for us on After Dark. Uh, For Ashton Gibbs and Rob Doster, I'm John Fanta. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a busy Saturday of basketball and football. Follow the field of 12, too. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.